know what your learning style is. So there are these different learning styles that people talk about. I've heard people talk about them over the years, right? So when I've heard it summarized, they say something like, you know, are you an auditory learner? Like you learn by hearing things, or are you a visual learner? You learn by seeing things, or are you like a, a kinesthetic learner? You learn physically by, by doing things, right? Um, and so if you're an auditory learner, then you love sermons. And if you're not an auditory learner, then you're daydreaming already um, no so I thought to myself you know what I'm you know what kind of learner I am I'm a learner that learns by example so I go online I'm like I wonder which category that fits in and I start doing some research this week on different learning styles and I have discovered a topic that there is greater disagreement on than COVID-19 <laughs> There, you go online and start researching learning styles, and there is a whole broad swath of opinions on learning styles. Some people say there's not three, there's like 17 different learning styles, and other people will say there's not enough research, learning styles aren't real. Others say even if they are real, you shouldn't accommodate the classroom, and it's just like, whoa. All I wanted to do was make the point that some people learn by example. So to make the point, I'll just make it in my own life. That's how I learn, and I have a theory that that's how most of us learn best is by following someone's example. So just to easily illustrate that, let's say someone says to me, you know what, the pews in this room, they need to be refurbished. That has been said to me. So what if though it went beyond that and it was like, you know what, Matt, you need to refurbish the pews in the room. Well, the first thing I would do is I would try to find someone that knows how to refurbish such things. And then I would invite that person to come in and start refurbishing this pew and let me watch them refurbish the pew. And I would watch them and I would watch them do the next one. And then I would ask if I can help while they do the next one. And then I would ask, you know what, can I do it now because I've watched you do it. Now can you let me do it? And then they would let me do it and help me. And then the next thing you know, I'm refurbishing the, few, the pews. And that's how I learn. I think that's how most of us learn best is by following someone's example. It's true in our lives. I mean, it's true in my life. Uh, um, my dad's a pastor, and here I stand, a pastor. Um, my dad woke up early and made breakfast for us kids, and most mornings I wake up and make breakfast for my kids. My parents took us on vacations every summer, and now I feel like I need to take my kids on vacation every summer. And so it's sort of a pattern that if we look in our own lives, you can probably see that you too learn by example. And it's something that I think we're created, that was put into us by our creator God. It's something that Jesus reinforces even as he teaches his disciples. And that's what I want us to look at today. In John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17, Jesus is going to tell us about leading by example. He's going to give us the power, he's going to show us the power of example as he establishes and equips his disciples. So this is fitting in as our final sermon in a little brief series on our mission statement as a church. And what we said last week was we said, if you want to imagine the stage where the cross is, this is sort of the moment of conversion. And we know that there are people in our lives that are, or maybe even you yourself, that are on this side. They don't yet know Christ. They're not yet in Christ. Maybe we need to be engaging with them and evangelizing them so that they will come to Christ. We talked about how, you know what, it's not a... Um, uh, we don't make relationships and friendships to engage with people to be manipulative. We love people no matter what they decide about Jesus. We love them just the same. But we're bold enough and honest enough in relationships when appropriate to tell people, I think the best thing for your life is that you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior and follow Him. 
And as people take that step, then they cross over into Christ. And they continue to move in this trajectory because in our illustration, this trajectory is heaven. It's, it's Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father. So they continue to be established and equipped in their faith. And so what I'm telling us this morning is as we seek to establish and equip one another in the faith as Northgate Church, I want us to see how we can establish and equip one another by example. And in John 13 is where I get this idea. So in John chapter 13, I'm turning there. You're welcome to turn there as well. There's Bibles in your pew. You can find it on your phone, but we're also going to put it on the screen behind me. What's happening in John chapter 13 is we're at the tail end of Jesus' ministry. He's gathered in that upper room for the famous Last Supper. And this is the account from the Gospel of John. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world... He loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, Well, you, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not everyone. For he knew that who was betray him, and that is why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet... You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. A lot is going on in this passage, right? This is the famous scene. It's the Last Supper. You have this ordinance of of communion of the Lord's table being laid out with the bread and the wine. You have confusion in Peter's mind. You have foot washing going on. You have Satan active in the room, putting things into Judas's heart. We have to deal with the betrayal of Jesus. All that's happening in this scene. But all I want us to do this morning is zoom in to verse 15, where Jesus says, I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Jesus sets an example for his disciples to follow. What is the example he sets? I think it's too simplistic to just say, oh, the example Jesus set is he washes feet, so I should wash feet. I think that's great if you want to wash someone's feet as you follow the example of Jesus, but I think there's more here. I think we can follow in Jesus' example and never have washed a foot in our life. So what is Jesus' example he's setting? Well, I think there's a lot of things we could say, but I'll just give a couple. Jesus is showing us the example of taking initiative. He's taking the initiative. He's getting up from the table. He's laying aside his outer garments, taking a towel, tying it around his waist. He's taking the initiative. It would have been much easier for him not to get up from the table. 
Jesus is still our Lord and Savior, dies on the cross, raises from the dead without washing the feet. We don't need Jesus to wash anyone's feet here. He's still just as glorious a Savior without the foot washing. He doesn't need to do this. It's not his job to do this. It's the servant's job. There are countless excuses that Jesus could have given for not getting up and washing the feet. He was comfortable. He was tired. He was stressed out. I mean, look at verse 1. He knows that his time has come. Verse 2, he knows about Judas who's at the table. Jesus could have said, well, you know what? Uh, They're not going to understand. If I do this, they're just not going to understand, which is true. In verse 7, well, they might just get confused. Maybe I should just stay where I am. They do get confused. But Jesus shows us that he takes the initiative when he has every reason not to. And so as we try to follow his command and follow his example, we need to take the initiative. Are there not times whenever the Spirit prompts you, but you're comfortable, but you're tired, but you're stressed and too stressed? They won't understand or they'll take it the wrong way. It'll just breed confusion. Somebody else can do it. It's not my job. I do a lot. All the things Jesus could have said and yet he sets the example of someone who takes the initiative. This week, as the snow began to melt on the flat roof of the education wing over there, a drip, drip, drip started in our preschool classroom. So uh, our normal cleaner is Abby, and she has torn her rotator cuff. And so Ronnie and Jean are, are filling in and helping out. And they were here cleaning, and we identified this wet ceiling tile. We pop out the ceiling tile, and we're like, oh, wow, what a mess. So Ronnie takes the initiative. He says, you know what, I'm going to run home, and I'm going to get my materials, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to try and fix the leak. And I say, Ronnie, you don't have to do that. Ronnie, you have other things to do. No, no, I want to do it. Well, Ronnie, it's, you don't have to. Somebody else will come and fix this. He says, like, no, I, I want to serve. I, I want to come, and I want to do this. And see, what Ronnie did there is he set the example for me and how we take initiative. And that's what we do as a body of Christ, is we set examples for one another as Jesus set an example for us then Ronnie set this simple example for me that, you know what, somebody else can do it. And you know what, you could be tired and you could have other things to do. But if the Holy Spirit prompts you, then maybe you ought to take the initiative and do it. In this passage, Jesus gives us an example that we can all remember and follow. That if we want to establish and equip people in the faith, then sometimes we will take the initiative and lead in that way. The other thing that Jesus does, the other example that Jesus sets is he's doing humble service. He's taking the initiative to do humble service. So uh, we see that he pours the water in the basin and he begins to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel. Have you ever washed someone's feet? Yeah, okay, a few of us have. I only ever done it maybe once or twice, and it was at a youth group thing, and we were reading this passage, and so they say, take off your shoes or wash in one another's feet. And it's weird, and it's uncomfortable, and I don't like to do it. Um, it feels, you know, it's kind of a dirty job. People don't want to show their feet anyways. But would you rather wash my feet this morning that have, that have uh, been in socks and shoes and, and drove here in a car? Or would you rather wash my feet if they were in sandals and I had walked here on a road made of dirt that animals travel on and, and drop bits of doo-doo? 
which foot would you rather wash? Well, you'd rather wash the foot, sock, car, shoe, right? You, that's, that, that's the foot you'd rather wash. Not the one that's in the dirt and the mud and all that stuff. We say this just to establish the, the point that we might overlook since we all wear shoes, that they were wearing sandals and their feet were dirty. And it's a dirty job. It's a dirty job. That's why the servants did it in that time. And so what Jesus' example he's setting for us, if we can see it, is that we should humbly serve. We should humbly serve as the Spirit leads. There's going to be opportunities around us in our given day where, you know, we can say, well, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to serve. I can use uh, Ted Blenderman as an example because it won't make him feel awkward because he's not here right now. He's in the Dominican Republic serving on a missions trip. We've teased him. I'm not sure how much you're suffering for Jesus because the Dominican Republic is like an island paradise. But nevertheless, he's serving the Lord this week on a missions trip. Ted's newly retired. He was a partner in an accounting firm in Pittsburgh. He's a successful man. He is a chairman of our uh, elder board. Been here for a long time, serving a lot of different ways. But do you know how Ted serves currently? He volunteers in our preschool program as a helper. So this teacher teaches and, and he humbly serves and he'll take the little hand and walk them down to the bathroom, let them go in and he'll walk them back to their classroom. Just last week he said to Caroline privately, you know, if you're stuck without a nursery worker, which we're often stuck without a nursery worker, um, before you go and sit in there, just come and get me. To me, this is an example of humble service. Yeah, someone else can do it. Yeah, you know what? There's, there's other things to do. And yeah, it's not what you want to do. But you know what? Sometimes we have to humbly serve, don't we? Maybe six, nine months ago, uh, we had this situation at the church. Uh, the toilet clogged during Sunday school. We put an out-of-order sign on it, and we walked away. Didn't think anything of it. It's closed now. We'll deal with it later. I went back to it later that afternoon, and what we discovered was, oh, no, due to the position of the clog, every single flush from these upstairs toilet all Sunday long traveled down the pipes and up through the clogged toilet. And I don't have the appropriate words to share with you now what that looked like. I have never seen that much um, uh, stuff inside a closed room in my life like it's not supposed to be in the room it's supposed to go out it was all over this toilet all over the ground just like a massive mess and I thought to myself somebody has to humbly serve (laughs) so I got out my camera and I took a picture and I walked right out of that room that's not me. I'm not humbly serving. That's, that's beyond, that's beyond what I'm not humbly serving. I won't do it. Um, so thankfully our plumber and friend and longtime member, Mike Colley, who's on the back row back there, humbly served. I don't care if it's your job or not your job. Whoever cleaned that up, humbly served. And Mike has modeled humble service for decades at our church just like Ted has somebody's got to humbly serve Jesus set the example then he turned to his disciples and said do you understand what I'm do you understand what I just did I set an example that you should follow I took the initiative and I served in humility 
If we as a church are saying that we want to establish and equip people in their faith, one important piece of it is information, right? And we talk about that. Well, they need to know this, they need to know this, they need to know this. That's true. That's not the point of today's sermon, though, is it? The point of today's sermon is if we want to establish and equip people in their faith, then we have to follow Jesus' example. We have to take the initiative, and we have to humbly serve. And as we take the initiative and humbly serve, that is how we will become established and equipped in our faith. That's what Jesus told us to do. He said, follow my example. That's what he said to his disciples. What I think is interesting, though, and I want to shift for the last 10 minutes to think of it this way. Do you think that we should follow Jesus' example of setting an example? So we look to Jesus and we say, I want to be like Jesus. I live my life so that I will be like him. And so I should take initiative. I should humbly serve. But I should also set an example. If I want to be like Jesus, then, then part of following him is I should set an example for others to follow as well. And as uncomfortable as this next statement is, I have to say it because I believe it's true. It is my responsibility as a follower of Jesus to set an example for you so that you will follow my example. And I believe it's true that if you are a follower of Jesus, it's your responsibility to set an example for me to follow. Now, as soon as I say that, I want to just look down, and I imagine you want to look down. Now, there's a few people that when I say that, they get real, you know, finally, (laughs) finally, people. Um, But most of us probably get self-conscious. Most of us probably just put our head down, we start kicking the dirt. Well, people shouldn't follow me. I mean, I, I know my own heart. I know my own struggles. And I just, I don't think people should follow my example. So like that coin in your pocket, most topics in life have two sides, right? There's two sides to every coin, as they say. And so that's true. That's that, what's provoked in our spirit, that humility, that's of the spirit, that's of the Lord. We should respond in humility to this idea. And we should point people to Jesus and say, like, there's the best example you could ever see. And I want to help you look to Jesus. Don't look at me. Look to Jesus. That is the appropriate response. However, the other side of that coin that is also simultaneously true is that you were created in the image of God. And if you call yourself a Christian, then let me translate the word Christian into English for you because it's a Greek word that we use. And if you translate it directly from Greek to English, here's what the word means. Little Christ. So if you call yourself a Christian, then you are saying, I am a little Christ. And listen, Jesus ascended up into heaven and he is currently at the right hand of the Father. And the only way people are going to see an example of what Jesus would do is if you do it. You are a little Christ. And you are put here as an ambassador for Christ so that you will set an example for people to see of what it looks like to engage those who are lost and what it looks like to establish and equip those who are Christians. You are an example of Christ. It's a pattern throughout the New Testament. You can't get around it. I'm going to go through this quickly. They'll be on the screens behind me. The Apostle Peter writes and he says, being an examples, being examples to the flock. Paul writes to Timothy and says, let no one despise you for your youth, but you set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Paul writes to the Philippian church, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. 
He continues to the Philippian church, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the peace of God be with you. To the church at Corinth, he says, I urge you to be imitators of me. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. The author of Hebrews writes, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And you become imitators of us and of the Lord. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. The Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul, the author of Hebrews, they write letters to churches. And when they write the letters to the churches, they say, listen, if you want to become established and equipped in this faith as you gather as the church, here's what you need to do. You need to be looking around and following one another's examples. And we're all trying to follow the example of Christ. But as I choose to follow the example of Christ, you can see things in my life that you can use in your life. And I can do the same in you. And that's the beauty of the church as a community. That's why it's important for us to come together and not just do it on YouTube. It's important for us to be together so that we can see the examples of one another's lives. It's the secret sauce for groups. It's why almost every church around is saying, please join a group whether it's a life group in a home or, or a Sunday morning group that just met in, throughout our building or it's a men's group or a women's group. The secret sauce of groups isn't the content that you get. It's the fact that you get it with like four to, I don't know, 16 people sitting together and then all of a sudden as you're getting this information and you're being inspired and you're hearing the truth, you're able to look around the circle and know the people in the circle and see their lives and see the example of how they've lived it out. You just can't do that in this format. So that's why we encourage you to get into a group. Not so that you can get great content, and we trust that you will. But so that as you get that content, you can see the example of it lived out in the other people in that circle. Caroline and I will go to our small group today. Meets in the Teal's home. We'll sit in a circle with four other couples, and we'll look at a passage of Scripture, and, and we'll try to apply it to our lives. But, but you know what else we'll do? Or what I do for the last year and a half? Is I watch how the other parents interact with their kids. So I can see the example that they set for me to watch. And I watch as they respect and love and honor their spouses. And I, I watch as they forgive and reconcile with one another. And I'm learning from the example that they set. So that I can see how to live out my faith in my life. Because that's part of the example that Jesus was setting for us. That we need to live lives. So that we can, as we follow Christ, others can follow us. And we can see what it looks like to live out our faith. At Northgate, we want you in a group not just for content and knowledge, but to see the example of others following Christ. We don't just do it for the adults. We're doing it for your children, too, just so you're aware. We do it with your children. I told you this information a while ago, a few years ago, but Lifeway did some research recently where they said, you know what, what can we do to um, have more confidence that the children we're raising will become young adults who are faithful Christians? They do a lot of research, do a lot of surveys, interviews with parents and young adults and kids, and they come up with their findings, and I'll give you the quote from their research. It says this, the number one positive predictor for your child to become a faithful Christian young adult is this, a child who regularly reads the Bible while growing up. So there's all kinds of other good predictors that are on the list below that one, such as a child who regularly prays attend church, go to Bible camp, listen to Christian music, lots of other things. What they found in the study, though, that was eye-opening was at the top of the list, significantly higher than anything else on the list, is simply a child who reads the Bible for themselves. 
So once Caroline and Christy found this research, they began to think differently about what we do in our children's ministry. And so in the fall of this year, what we began to do in our children's ministry is we began to carve out a time during the 11 o'clock hour for the first through sixth graders to simply read the Bible and then respond to it. So they each have a, the third through sixth graders each have a SOAP journal, which stands for SOAP, Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And as they go to their soap journal each week, they, they read a, a passage of the Bible, and then they try to make an observation from that passage, and then they try to make an application from that passage. And, and here's how they taught them. The, the leaders in the room said, you know what, we'll do it, and you kids watch us do it. And then over time, they began to say, okay, kids, now you help us. What's an observation? What's an application? And then they began to turn those notebooks over to the children and say, now you read it and you make some observations and you make some applications in your journal. And this is what the, the journals look like. So that now kids can go into these journals and we can see that they're learning how to read and respond to God's word as they, they watched it done. And then someone said, now you do it and we'll watch you. And so now you can open up one of these journals and, and they'll read a verse where, where Mary says, and I am the Lord's servant. And the child writes, Mary was willing to serve the Lord. And then the child writes, application, I should listen to the Lord. And then the child writes, dear Lord, please help me to serve you. Amen. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've stood up here on this stage and told you to read your Bible. How many times we've told our children, read your Bible. But how often have we come alongside you and said, would you read the Bible with me? And as you read the Bible with me, watch me. And, and I think from my example, you can see how to read the Bible. And how to make applications from the Bible. See, that's what we're doing with the children. We're saying, like, watch, watch. This is, this is how you do it. And as you learn, as you learn from our example, you're going to become established and equipped in your faith. Not by us telling you what to do but by you watching and learning from the example we give you for how to become established and equipped to live your Christian life. That's what we need to do as we establish and equip one another in our faith at Northgate Church. We need to be setting examples with one another in how to live out our faith. We're going to close our service um, with a new song. Worship team's going to get set up, and I'm going to read for you the chorus of this new song. It's called Arise, O Church, and the chorus goes this way. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Arise, shine, for the risen one. Lift your eyes, we are his radiant bride. Arise, O Church. Now, what I like about this song, particularly to close out this little series on mission, is it calls the church to mission. It says, Arise, right? We have a job to do. We have a mission to carry out. There's lost people that need to be engaged and evangelized. There's brothers and sisters in Christ that need to be established and equipped. And we have to get up from the table, take the initiative, humbly serve, and we have to arise, O church. Keith and Kristen Getty wrote it, and I don't know what they were thinking when they wrote this line. Lift your eyes, we are his radiant bride. They could have been referencing a scripture or some poetic idea. But here's what I think of when I see that line. Be an example for Christ this week that others can follow. I don't, I don't think I'm a very good example of Christ. I don't, I don't think people should follow my example. Our heads hung in a bit of shame and self-consciousness.
And I imagine Jesus reaching down from heaven and saying, lift your eyes. You are my radiant bride. If you don't set the example this week, then where in the world are people going to see an example of how to lovingly engage? How are your brothers and sisters in Christ going to see an example of what it looks like to live out these truths? If you don't do it, who else is going to do it? So Jesus says, listen, church, arise, lift up your eyes. You are my radiant bride and you have a mission to carry out. And you must, you must understand who you are and what you have been called to do this week. Let me pray for us and then we'll close with this song. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this song, for your word, for, for calling us to this end. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would take up this mission, that we would have the appropriate humility and confidence to set an example this week that others can follow. Just as you did for us, we might be able to do for others as little Christs. We ask that you empower us by your spirit to do so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.